Good evening, everyone. So Sunday, we started talking about, we started our series, What on Earth Am I Here For? We started learning that God made us on purpose with a purpose, that God made us to love us. And as we were starting this, <coughs> sorry if I cough a bit tonight, it's kind of been happening to me the last few days. But Tuesday, so I guess it's last night, we had a small group and we went over and we watched a DVD about the different stuff and we got to at ask a bunch of questions, and one of the questions kind of stuck out to me because it, was, it seemed funny at first. They sit here and just said, when did you first hear about God's love? And for most of us, <coughs> we heard about God's love at a pretty young age. Like, well, three, maybe, two, like, as long as I can remember. But as I got thinking about this, I realized that there's a difference between Hearing and knowing about God's love as a theological concept and knowing about it in a relational way. Discovering it's really easy to look at some verses like 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. You guys have probably heard at least the last three words of this spoken before. Yeah, the verse ends, God is love. And that's probably all that most people have heard. It actually says anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Um, but most everyone just hears, God is love. And you go, well, what's the fruit of the Spirit? What's the fruit when we're our life is connected with God's and His Spirit is flowing through us? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And the list goes on. But the first thing it lists is love. And we go, well, what kind of love is this? And we look at 1 Corinthians and 13, verse 4. It goes through and says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And I got thinking about these things because I'm like, all right, I've heard these verses since I was born, really. And <clears throat> But when did it really, when did I get it? And as I was thinking about this before, and some of the other people were asking, answering the question, they're like, three, five, you know, they're going through the different ages, and it's like, you know, I heard it a lot. I don't think I realized what I got until I went to college. See, because when I went to college, I went to a Bible school, so everybody that was in college with me at least claimed that they knew God. They at least claimed that they knew God, were living for God, and that their goal was to live for God. And so I'm like, cool, we're all on the same page, but it, it became very evident that not everybody viewed God the same. And that several of them, they had a really hard time with this concept that God wanted to bless them, that God wanted good things for them, that God wanted to take care of them. That to them, that was just weird. And whenever they saw somebody who was a Christian that had a lot of money, that was blessed, they got upset. Like, well, why are you upset? So they're blessed. Good for them. What is it? Why is it your business whether, you know, how much they have or what they're doing with what they have? Like, you worry about what you got. And, and they just, they, they would get upset. And I, and I was like, well, why is this? And as, as it went on, I discovered <clears throat> that our fathers, we tend, our fathers tint the way we view God. And much like I've ever put on a pair of sunglasses and looked at somebody and like, wow, you're burned. And you take off the sunglasses, like, no, sorry, they're just red tinted glasses. Or like, you just, you th you're like, oh, it's dark. I know somebody who I'll leave nameless, um, we'll just call him Bob, was out fishing and decided that they needed to take a leak and they're, it's a spot in the lake. They're not that far off the shore and like, ah, 
just leak off the side. And so they just take a leak, and someone else on the boat looks at him and goes, what are you doing? Oh, I'm taking a leak. Like, people are going to see. He's like, oh, they're not going to see me. And the guy goes, take off your sunglasses. Ah! And then I just take off. He thought it was dark. And so, oh, nobody can see. He took off his sunglasses in a panic and took out of there as fast as he could. But... Because your sunglasses, they tint what you see. And so what you see is a distorted view of reality. It may not be correct, the things that you see. And our view of God is tainted by our Father. Jesus tells us to pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And he goes through, and several times throughout the scriptures, we hear Jesus refer to God as our Father. And there's this, this link between how we view our father and how we view God. Now, our fathers may be really good examples or our fathers may be really bad examples and most of our fathers are somewhere in between. Most of your dads did something right. Most of your dads also did something wrong. Uh, I don't think anyone's dad did it all perfect. Someone's dad may have done it all wrong. Um, sorry if that's you, but... It's recognizing this because I, I was there and I realized, <clears throat> for me, the idea that God would take care of me was easy because if I got in a pinch, I was supposed to get a job, I was supposed to do a bunch of things, but I knew that if I got hungry, I had no money, I couldn't find a job, whatever, all I'd have to do is call home. Hey, I'm broke, I'm hungry. And he'd be like, hey, well, here comes some money, here's what you can do. Looks like you're fasting for two days while the transfer clears, whatever. But the, uh, the money would come and I would get taken care of. Like the, this idea of being like out on my own and like I was 10,000 miles from home, but I knew, <coughs> I knew that they wanted to take care of me. And so this idea that God wanted to take care of me was really easy for me. But then I got thinking about this whole idea and beginning to get this idea of God loving and loving like a father. And I thought I got it. I thought I began to get it there. And then time went on and now I am a dad. And I discovered, I, I keep discovering more and more of what it means to love like a father. Um, and to discover that Jesus himself says this. He says um, in a verse that I think I forgot to put in my notes. Okay. Comes up in Matthew and it comes up in... Oh, it is Matthew 7, 11. I didn't get it in here. If you then who, <coughs> who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He goes, this is the best picture that I can give you as a dad. You as a dad suck in comparison. So if you... If you can get this much of a grasp of love from your father, think of how much more your heavenly father who's perfect. And just this idea just hit me. And, and I got thinking about my children. I've got uh, Benaiah, Ezekiel, and Titus is going to be born sometime in the next month. So <clears throat> we're not sure when he's going to show. I have no pictures of him because he has not popped out yet. But so my other two, if you can start picture one. Uh, so the other day, I was like, where did Ezekiel go? Where did Ezekiel go? And he's not supposed to be on the drums here at church, but he'd found them, and he was so cute. I took a picture before yanking him off the drums. But So there's Ezekiel next. This is them down, downstairs. They're using the bike pump to fill up the air in the, uh, the big wheel there. So it's plastic tires. Yes, they don't actually take air, but they were having fun filling it up. 
Then we had the Christmas play here. I just, if I was going to show off my kids, I might as well show them off well. So, all right, next. We had the frozen, my boys were so excited. You can see Benaya's grin as he was so excited. He's getting a picture with Elsa and Anna and Olaf, and it totally <laughs> made his day. Hello, I'm Olaf. Yes. And so they were so, so excited. Saturday, I, I told you I've been coughing for a few days. Saturday, I stayed home because I wanted to make sure that I could preach on Sunday since my voice is kind of required for me to preach. Um, but I was just coughing. My head was feeling horrible. So I went home and laid down. I'm like, all right, I'm going to just lay down and try to recoup so that I can preach in the morning. And they decided that they were going to do the same on top of me. Um, this is what they do. And I, I love it. And it does not mean that I am always thrilled with everything my children do. My children are not angels. <clears throat> I'll be the first to admit they make mistakes on a constant basis. Um, I love them. I don't always love everything that they do, but I, I still love them. Um, and sometimes it's easy to love them when they're being really cute. Sometimes it's a pain in the butt to love them when they show up at the side of your bed at three in the morning and they're like, I just wet the bed. Like, shh. Um, uh, when you get a phone call like this afternoon, <coughs> as I was just about to send my notes over to Kendra, I got a phone call going, here, race home, my wife's pregnant, can't really bend over, my son just puked all over the couch, all over the floor, and the rug, and a blanket. So I got to go home and clean up puke. Not exactly what I was planning to do this afternoon. Um, and then lots that co goes with that. And this is kind of common, and then there's the times when they just don't want to obey, they don't want to listen, and they break things because that's what kids do. Um, or they like to jump on you. Oh, they just love to jump on me. It's not so bad when they bomb you with their butt. When they jump on you with their knees, that gets really bad. Um, or they're like, hey, dad, and like shove, like, here, let me push up. And they just like shove their hand on your throat. You're like, <laughs> like, you can't miss there. Why not? Like, <laughs> it's great. It's uh, kind of. Um, but I love them. And when they do awesome stuff, I love it. When they do non-awesome stuff, I still love them. Um, and sometimes that's hard to remember for us with God. Because a lot of times, as, uh, maybe it's just me as a competitive person. Maybe it's just Americans as a general rule. We tend to be very performance-driven. And so it's very easy to try to tie our value to our performance. And it's very hard to see God loving us beyond our mistakes. And it depends. Some of you guys are like, no, I don't make much from mistakes. <laughs> yeah, right. Good for you. Um, but there's a lot of times where you, someone blows it. And or someone goes, you know what? I don't think that, that God could want to have a relationship with me. Do you realize that I'm still struggling with the same thing I was struggling with a year ago? Do you realize that... I just lied again, cheated again, that I just slept with somebody, that I was just looking at porn, that I just did drugs, that I was smoking, that I drank alcohol, that I just did the talk back to my, whatever. You can go through and you can make a list that goes on forever. You can find what mistakes that you've made. <clears throat> but a lot of times it can be hard to come up and go, God, do you still love me? And, and that's something that this has helped me with because I look at my kids and go, I still love them. Ezekiel, I think, got the hardest spanking he's ever gotten today. Doesn't change how much I love him. I was 
I think I was home. I was home for just a minute to get something and um, was right next to my wife and put my head down and I just heard a smack. I'm like, what is that? And he wanted dad for himself and didn't want to share with mom. And so he was trying to get rid of mom so that he could be right next to dad and just slapped my wife. Uh uh-uh, uh, not gonna happen. So he got a spanking. Um, and that was probably his hardest spanking up to this point of his life. But like, you do not hit my wife. And uh, he will learn, he will respect his mom. But it doesn't change how I love him. Was I pleased? No, not at all. Do I love him? Absolutely. And it began to shift this focus. The, oh, how long ago was this? How long ago did we go sledding? Do you guys remember? We went sledding with a bunch of you guys. A few weeks ago. And he put up a picture. I got uh, Benaya and Ezekiel there with me. They came with me sledding. This was <coughs> awesome. Zeke wasn't so much a fan except for of the hot chocolate. He liked the hot chocolate. This is what he was a fan of. Um, Benaya was sledding on his own for the first time, and he just thought this was awesome. And I knew that I'm a little bit protective, but I it was... It was funny because I had several times where it looked like there were people going to come down that may hit my three-year-old as they were coming down with their sleds. As a dad, you don't look at it and go, oh, here comes a sled. I think it's going to take out my kid. What do I do? Like, there is no processing whatsoever, it, at least for me. I guess I can't speak for every human being because I'm not every human being. But I watched. There's something that's so deeply ingrained in get between them and danger. There was one point where I, I was actually recording Benaiah sledding down the hill. So I got on a sled. He got on a sled. And we're going down. So I'm filming him. And I weigh a little bit more than he does. And so I got going. And he <laughs> get going a little bit faster as he's slowing down. And so I, I film him. And I'm turning backwards. And I get to the end. And right as I shut it off. I see this blob of oblivious people um, that piled onto a tube, and I think a tube and some sleds, and we're all like linked up, that start heading down the hill straight towards my three-year-old. And I'm probably 20 or 30 yards past him on my sled. And there's someone else, a couple people that saw it up top, and started yelling at them to try to get them to, to not go because they're charging a three-year-old at the bottom of the hill. And I saw him coming, and so I just, I didn't go, oh no, what do you do? Here comes this sled lot. Ooh, this is going to hurt my... Like, you don't... You just... What do you, you just sprint, like, as fast as you can. And they're coming down. And I came from behind him. I wasn't... And so I just dove. I came in from behind him and just dove beto- around him into them. No thought of, of who they were, what they were. It didn't matter. It's like, there's my three-year-old. Here comes a wall of a lot of weight at them. And so I just run, dove, put my shoulder into it as fast and as hard as I possibly could. And just... Go boom, and just people and things just went flying. And it gets done, and you're like, Ugh, you all right? And I was like, Yeah, what's going on? And you're just like, We just launched people over you off my shoulder and back. And, like, Ugh. and then you look over here, and there's a girl on the ground going, Ah. I'm like, Oh, did I just break somebody? Like, <laughs> the idea that there was other people, like, the people on the sled didn't even occur to me. There was no, like, it was simply instinct of, there is my little boy, here comes lots of danger, put yourself between him and the danger, and there's no thought of, what's it going to cost you, is it going to break you, this is my three, you just run, jive, 
dive in between them, and David's laughing because he watched me do it. And he was one of those guys at the top of the hill going, don't go down, yelling at these people. And then we get down, and she sees all this girls moaning and groaning, and she's like, my ribs. I'm like, oh, crud, did I just break her ribs? Like, like I may have just broke this girl's ribs because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of dense. I don't get hurt very easily, and I'm feeling it as I got hit really hard. And I was on a straight-out dive. And you're like, oh, are you okay? You're like, my ribs, my ribs. And then she's like, my leg. I'm like, oh, phew, she's hurt. It's all over. She's like, I hurt all over. I'm like, all right, good, we're good. Like, like in, a, in a loving way, you pray for her. But like, if she's hurting in one place, I might have broke something. If she's hurting everywhere, it just hurts. It's all good. Like, uh, whew, didn't break her. So uh, I was very thrilled to find out I didn't break somebody. But there was no thought of, is it going to break you? How much is it going to cost you? It was, it's just, that's, that's my son. Something's going to hurt him. You go and you pay the price, whatever it may be, to make sure that they're safe. And as I was looking at this, I realized that's the story of the gospel. That we... As God's kids, we're broken and in danger from our own sin. That our own sin broke us and broke our ability to be in a relationship with God. And God didn't look and go, hmm, what's the cost? What do I do? The Bible says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. To realize that the story of the gospel is that. It's the dad that looks and goes, it doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter that the fact that they're hurting is their own fault. It doesn't matter. He goes, I love them. What does it take? And Jesus came to die to pay the price for our sins because God goes, I love you. I love you and I want a relationship with you and I, I want to be there for you. And to begin to catch this, and I, <coughs> I realize that there are people here who, who are struggling because of what they've done. And I just felt like God wanted you to know that no matter what you are, what you've done, he still loves you. That God's love isn't dependent on anything that he wants to offer it. And I feel like there are some who are going, well, yeah, if God still loves me, how come so much crap happens? Talk about loving and doing whatever it takes to to get in between your son and, and danger, your son and pain. What about when I was abused? What about when, and the list could go on and on and on. The Bible talks about several things very clearly in this area. First off, we can, we can go back to the Lord's Prayer, and Jesus tells us, pray that God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, because right now, God's will is not done on earth as it is in heaven. 
in heaven, things are going to play out the way God wants them to play out. There are things that are happening here that God doesn't want to have happen. You guys understand that God is not using you like a little puppet. You have the ability to choose. Has anyone ever made a wrong choice? Okay. Then you have to understand that your wrong choice doesn't just affect you. If I punch somebody, I'm the one who sinned. My knuckles might hurt, but you know what? Someone else is going to be hurting too. To realize that as there's as people make choices, as there is sin in the world, and we could go into <coughs> a lot of of the the pain that's caused by other people's choices. We could go into the pain that's caused by natural disasters and what the Bible talks about the earth being under the curse, and we could that's another message. But for you to understand that God wants to set stuff stuff right, and He will. But 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward us, not wishing any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. When God comes to set stuff straight, <coughs> it's game over. <coughs> At the end of a game, Timer beeps. <coughs> All points after that don't count. You can't be down by 10 in a basketball game, have the buzzer go off and go, that's it. <laughs> Look at this, I'm making it. Wait, wait. It doesn't work. You can't go and catch up. Jesus came and paid the price for us in a flesh and blood body. Because for there to be forgiveness from sins, there had to be the shedding of blood. You have, while you're in a flesh and blood body, to receive what Jesus did on your behalf. The reason that God hasn't set everything straight yet is when he does, it's over. Nobody else can choose to repent anymore. So you go, why hasn't God, why didn't God stop that pervert? Why didn't God stop that jerk? Why didn't God stop them? Because if God took away their freedom, if God came in and said, boom, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to impose my will on them. If he was going to set everything straight, then Nobody else would get saved. It's done. And he was waiting. Going, there's still somebody who wants to know me. There's still someone I want to forgive and I want to see them set straight. And I'm waiting and I am stretching out in love. And he's in that awkward spot. And if you've ever been there, where or you've seen where somebody puts their emotions out there and they like lay all their cards out on the table and they're like, this is how I feel and I, I like you and I love you or whatever it may be. And the other person's like, hmm, that's not the answer I was looking for. Is it going to get reciprocated or am I about to get shot down? God made the ultimate move. 
So I just paid the price for you. I love you. Will you receive my love? Will you receive my forgiveness? Will you walk in a relationship with me? In Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If he hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. God says, I'm knocking. I want a relationship with you. I love you. Will you be in a relationship with me? You were made to be in a relationship with God. You were made to be loved by God and to love God in return. If you don't have a relationship with God, I want to give you a chance to start one. And if you've had one, I wanted to try to give a chance. I wanted to try to paint a picture. I want you to begin to understand, not just as a theological concept that God is love, but an idea. Try to give you a picture of love. And getting to be a father <coughs> has been the best picture for me that I've gotten to see. I've gotten to feel and experience. But I want to help, hopefully, for you to catch some of that. But if you don't know him, you say, I, I want to respond to his invitation. I want to receive the love and forgiveness that he came to offer me. I want to give you a chance. He says, whoever calls on his name will be saved. When I declare him to be Lord and receive the forgiveness that he offers. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? If you say, I need that. I want that relationship. I want to receive that love and receive that forgiveness. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, every head bowed, every eye closed. Three, raise up your hands nice and high. That's me. Awesome. Who else says that's me? Awesome. You can put your hands down. <coughs> Whether you raised your hand or you've done this before, then go ahead and join us as we're going to just call on God's name, declare him to be Lord, and receive the forgiveness that he offers. God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing away my sins. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.